know how I like my audiences? 20% angel, 80% devil. And welcome back to the supplemental reading series of the summer, covering the entire Fast and Furious Cinematic Universe here on Zero Credits. My name's Wheelman Henry. And my name's still just John. And together, we're bringing you the official halfway point of this supplemental reading series Covering, we're dropping the these. Yes, we're dropping them. We're Just gonna eject the the eject the these. Ejecto theo, cause <laughs> it's time for the. Wait, no. <laughs> Just it's time for the the particular movie that is called Fast and Furious. What year did it come out? In two thousand nine. Who directed it? Justin Lin. Who wrote it? That's a great question. Stop <laughs> quizzing me. With every supplemental reading comes a series of little disclaimers we want to do at the top. Uh, basically, we're covering a movie that is at this point nine years old. And so if you haven't seen it, pause it. Pause this. Because we're going to be discussing it freely and with no regards to spoilers. Consi- we're basically going to consider that you've already seen it. See, the tough thing is that before, when these movies were 17 years old, then we could just do whatever. But now, since it's within the statute of limitations of 10 years, if we spoil it for you, it's illegal and you can take us to court. <laughs> and it, Yes, you are legally allowed to sue us. Please don't, because we're putting this disclaimer at the front. Mm. And... uh as with every episode of this supplemental reading series, we have a little unofficial sponsor. John, we made a promise in the last episode. Do you want to remind our audience what that promise was? So, uh, at this point, we've made two promises that we've regrettably kept. The first one is to do a supplemental reading for Every Fast and the Furious. The second one is a more of an unofficial promise to drink Corona. Some promise therein... There has not been a Fast and Furious movie with Corona in it for two episodes, two, two movies, two movies. And, uh, I made the, uh, great suggestion that if there is Corona in this, if Corona is to return, then we will each drink over the course of this podcast an entire Corona Familiar, which if you don't know what Corona Familiar is, imagine how much Corona you wouldn't like to drink. Now double it. Now triple it. We are going to put a picture of the Corona Familiar up on the Twitter. Can you hold it out a little more away from your body? Should I, like, spread my palm out more to white balance it? Uh, that'll do. I'm not a professional. We'll put a picture of the Corona Familiar up on our, on our Twitter for the listeners to see what we're drinking. But without further ado because corona did come back in this movie it did in a big with, way with a vengeance let's go ahead and just ah uh, the smooth sound of a tiny cap on a huge <laughs> bottle would you call this a fat boy i would not call it a fat boy i'd call it a demi 40 a demi 40 i just knocked the bottom of it oh Uh-oh. no it's not oh busy. boy this is just corona great Wow, it has all the smooth taste of all the Corona I don't want to drink. Yeah, it's just like Corona, except so much of it. I guess it's Mm. familiar, because when you're done with it, it'll be like a close personal friend to you, the drinker. Uh, The Corona Familia, ten times bigger. Uh, But yes, 2009's Fast and Furious. 
Now, the, the Fast and the Furious movie that I have the most feelings about. This is a very, it's a, it's a very interesting movie, and I kind of want to set up how I think this movie got made. Please do. Uh, so, this movie came out in 2009. Four years earlier, we started to see the trend set by Batman Begins in 2005. Uh-huh. Of the dark, gritty reboot. Yes. We saw Batman go from sort of the zany, Tim Burton-esque kind of crazy, that other director whose name I don't remember, uh, who did the Bat Nipples. I don't remember his name. Okay. He, but, you God, know, what's his name? I know, right? Phil? Nope, not that. Yeah, not Phil. Doesn't matter. We saw the crazy, zany, cartoony Batman become this kind of adult story that was more dark, more gritty. And around this time, like, I want to say Mission, Mission Impossible started to get more serious, mm-hmm. started ramping up with the danger. Everything was dark, gritty, hurry, fully loaded. Probably. Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher, thank you. Uh, and, and so we knew in 2006 when Tokyo Drift came out that they were going to do another one. And I don't know if we knew that Justin Lin was going to be attached, but he came back. He did. And I bet he felt kind of silly about the first project. It's it's entirely possible because this is a this is an interesting thing that happened with uh, with Fast and Furious because this is the first time where talent has stuck around for so long. Because not only do we have Justin Lin returning as director, but also the same screenwriter mm-hmm. returns as well. Because for the past. Movies, all directors and screenwriters have been ejected summarily. And so they're coming back to the project. They're looking at the the surrounding sort of environment of film at the time. It's all kind of dark, gritty reboots. And they've got Vin Diesel attached because he was in the third one. Mm -hmm. And he also released a short film in the universe in between these two movies. So I I think Justin Lin and and the screenwriter were like, what if we did not like a reboot... But like a spiritual reboot. Yeah, this uh, Fast and Furious to me is... It's two things that are really hard knowing what movies are today to uh, to comprehend being in the same movie. Number one, it is evolutionary. And that is maybe structurally the most important movie in the franchise thus far. It is also a full stop soft reboot. I agree. And that all of the things that the previous film sort of tried to hold up or, like, highlight in this movie, highlight in this franchise, Fast and Furious does in, like, the first 20 minutes and then moves on. Yeah, it is, uh, Fast and Furious opens in a way that I have, uh, there are uh, quite a few things in this movie that I have quite a bit of, like, uh, cinematographic respect for. Uh, so the movie opens with a really great callback to the opening shots of the first movie with the semi-truck being chased by three cars. Now, of course, the dynamic has shifted yet remained the same because you still have Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez. But then you've got a new crew with Han. With Han. From the third movie. And then, uh, man. I don't know their names, but the two... I totally forget. The, the two people from Los Bandoleros. Yeah, the two Dominican people. I want to say they're Dominican. I don't know for sure. From I think Los that's ba- accurate. I think that's accurate. From Los Bandoleros. Uh, and, and one of the cars was actually a black Honda Civic. Mm-hmm. Which is a direct callback to the first movie. Uh, and this opening scene, which lasts, I, I want to say, let's say 10 minutes, 
It is actually 12 minutes, and I made a note of that for a reason I'll get to later. That's funny, because it was 12 minutes to Japan, and mm. this is 12 minutes in the Dominican Republic. Uh, but what I was going to say is this this first 12 minutes has more action in it than the last three movies combined. I want to make it totally clear that, uh, number one, the movie starts with the first real smart thing these movies have done period which is like the the visual callback like the long distance montage back to the the fast and the furious uh such a cool smart thing to do and then for the next 12 minutes it is probably my favorite sequence from any of these movies yeah it's dynamic it does exactly what i love about fast and the furious is that it's got a lot of, like, real cars doing real shit and, like, hair-raising stunts. There's a weird fictional ice gun. <laughs> of course. It's, 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 a, it's an homage to all the past, like, the roots. Um, it even continues the established fact that truckers are the most dangerous <laughs> force in this universe, Especially when they have a gun. Yes. Now, of course, uh, he upgraded from gun to iguana in this movie. <laughs> that trucker has a weird thing for iguanas because not only does he have an iguana and then iguana merchandise in the cab, he also has an iguana hood ornament. <laughs> Didn't he? He grabs the the iguana before he jumps out, right? Yeah, I was so worried for that iguana, but he protected it well. He's dead though. <laughs> Uh, no, he rolled. You're right. If you tuck and roll, you can survive any jump from a speeding vehicle, no matter how fast. True. <laughs> the ice gun was to freeze the links and to break them with the hammer. Yeah, It was, yeah. Because, you know, uh, as anyone who's used, like, uh, what is it, fucking liquid nitrogen or whatever, to really to go th all the way through a metal lock, you just need a canister the size of a whipped cream canister attached to, like, a little tiny megaphone thing. <laughs> it, to me, it looked like compressed air that, you know, you use to clean, like, computer keyboards and stuff. Yeah, but way smaller. If you hold those upside down, it blows out cold air. Mm -hmm. So that's obviously all <laughs> she was doing. Yeah, that's that's obviously all she was doing to break through those those hitches. Now, of course... Uh, I want to be clear, I respect the fact that Los Bandoleros led into this movie, which, number one, cements in my mind that Los Bandoleros is an infinitely more important and interesting work than we thought it was. I still have my doubts on that. Here's the thing, unless you watch Los Bandoleros, the heist makes no sense, why are they stealing gas? I, I get that tie-in, because they're talking, yeah... The fact that gas is a scarce resource in the Dominican Republic and the fact that they keep increasing the price of it and that increases the price of everything else, I understand that. However, they steal the gas and they immediately deliver it to the island's local street racing scene. Yes. Now, one I don't <laughs> think that lines up exactly with the values highlighted and Los Banderleros. Maybe they gave it to uh, that old lady who was complaining about her gas bill. We did not see her. <laughs> we did not. However, what we did see is some very smart visual storytelling, which uh, this movie does in spades. Some very smart visual storytelling to show that they are street racers and they are happy to have gas. And they show this by a car being refueled in the middle of a party. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're like, oh, we need to communicate that, like, they have this gas, and they're happy, and it's going in a car. 
And they communicate all three of those things very deftly. And, and that, that scene where they deliver the gas onto the local street racing scene, or car scene as I call it, continues another established trend of you gotta have the car scene shot. Yes, you have to have you have to have a, a laborious shot of people's butts with like in this case I believe a pitbull joint playing. Hold up. Yes, he was Pitbull, but he was not Mr. Worldwide yet. He had, he had not transformed a little Bow Wow like into Mr. Worldwide. He was Mister Three O Five. Oh, a, a, a point I debated with my girlfriend at length because I did not believe it was him mm-hmm. because he did not announce himself as such. But it is Pitbull. Pitbull and uh, what is his name? Pharrell. Sure, maybe it's Pharrell. They were all over the soundtrack. Like they handled. Okay. The entire soundtrack. What uh, that was really cool. Uh, now, of course, my favorite, one of my favorite things about this movie. Uh, so, Fast and the Furious has a pretty mixed track record for my uh, all-time highest metric for movie quality, which is a good late title card. Fast and Furious nails the late title card. It's twelve minutes late. That's a very late title card. I was a tad disappointed, and, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm not disappointed. Maybe it's a, a case of you know they grow up so fast because this title card it didn't spin, it wasn't really neon or chrome, and it was just sort of placed in water gently there, kind of like for your consideration, the title of the movie. That's to show you that they've they've uh, grown. If this was a John Mulaney joke. The title card would have been wearing reading glasses to show that time had passed. Thank you, John Mulaney, for writing that joke. It, it, it is, uh, it's to show that we live in a more erudite and aristocratic Fast and Furious universe. To that point, something that my girlfriend noticed uh, when we first see Brian is that his hair does not look like shit. So we, we get introduced to Brian in what I will call a baffling sequence... Uh, because it is a very Jason Bourne. It's very Brian. Brian is chasing an obvious criminal. Like, you ever see someone you're like, criminal? What What was it about him? Was it the shaved head? It was the black wife beater, tattoos, piercing, shaved head goatee. That, whole, kind of, that whole package. Just the whole package. Just And I mean, once again, great visual storytelling. Man in a suit is chasing someone. Man, the man in a criminal uniform. So you know what's happening, cops and robbers. But the important part is that his hair looks a lot better. It looks normal now. He's shaved it down, kind of mm-hmm. like a buzz, kind of a military kind of cut, maybe something you would expect from someone on the force. And it's not all blonde and shitty curls. I have a real question. What's up? Uh, so this... I immediately pause the movie to, like, check myself, and maybe you can inform me as to why this is the case. How the fuck is Brian Connor a cop again? His record was expunged in Too Fast, Too Furious. Tokyo Drift takes place in the fucking future. But at what point between I crashed a car into a yacht in an illegal black ops operation to to bust Carter Verone... I stole millions of dollars. At what point do you go from that to I'm a cop in Los Angeles again? All right, here's what happens, and and you're you're very you're very good to trust me because I I do know this for a fact. 
So a month passes after they stole that money. Pockets ain't empty because we we ain't hungry no more, bruh. A month passed and Brian's conscious ate at him. And he turned Roman in again for stealing (laughs) all the money. There we go. And the FBI was so appreciative... They reinstated him. <laughs> that's, uh, man, that's classic Brian. It's got Brian written all over it. Uh, yeah, that, I could not believe he was a cop again, and they just expected us to be okay with it. I, I mean, they didn't really, they didn't really harp on it much. Like, our first scenes, he's on the job, he's chasing a guy down and throwing him out of a goddamn window. <laughs> oh, also, maybe my, uh, uh, that is genuinely a really good chase scene. Like, a good car chase scene is followed by a really good, like, foot chase scene. Uh, favorite thing of that foot chase scene, something that you never see someone do in chases in movies, when someone is on the other side of a fence, he just body checks the fence, like Mario punching a Koopa Troopa. Oh yeah, like in Super Mario World. Yeah. yeah. No, there, it's, it, it's great, because it's also one of the only on-foot chase scenes that we've had in this universe so far and this movie has like two of them now of course there is the moment in the chase where he just like takes a can of nos out of his pocket and just chugs it to go faster (laughs) (laughs) the drink nos was heavily featured in this it absolutely was i uh i don't have much else to talk about brian in this movie uh now he's kind of in the movie but i don't Here's the problem with Brian in this movie. This is a movie about Dom Toretto. This is a Dom Toretto... Up and down. Left and right. It is, without question, a movie that is owned by Dom Toretto. There there are a lot of story choices that I have to question. And I think now's an appropriate time. Han. Yes. They made a big deal about him being... Yeah, they made 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 a huge deal. He rolled with the crew. We learned that at the end of Tokyo Drift. We see him getting recruited in the short film. We see him do one job with them in this movie. And then he's gone. So this is something... This is a moment... No, actually, I think this happens before the Brian Chase. So that's an up. The Brian Chase is an up. The movie becomes pretty bad (laughs) at the beach party. Yeah. Because what Dom does is he takes all of the characters that we've been wanting to see work together and are really great and have really great chemistry, and then they are all written to opposite ends of the earth. And it's weird, because, like, why would you do a short film showing them coming together if... And then rip them all apart just at the start of the movie? It's awful. Like, I I really think the chemistry between Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez and Sung Kong are is really good. And they're so good. On paper it's there for a minute. Yeah. Like there's such there's such good characters and then uh Letty stays in uh the Dominican Republic for a while. For a while. Dom goes to Panama. Yeah. And then Han goes to Tokyo where he dies. Yes, later. He dies later, because it is in the future. But well, I'm just saying, he dies. And and they split all these characters apart, and he's not the only one who dies. I know. I was... Now, this is we, what... We had to back up and turn on closed captioning, because that the audio in that scene is kind of poorly mixed, because they needed to turn the gain up on the telephone... And turn the background a little bit down. Yeah, because I was like, who's dead? Yeah. Who's been murdered? It's many. 
It's Mernie. She's been murdered. I was like, oh, Mia? Okay. Well, Mia was the one on the phone. <laughs> because I was like, oh, that's Letty calling, saying Mia's been murdered. That's cool. Uh, but Michelle Rodriguez's character has been straight up killed. My favorite character, basically, who just got reinstated as, like, a, a badass female character in these movies that don't give a shit about women, generally, <laughs> was killed off screen. And I, I was really upset, because I knew she died. I knew that, because I've seen this movie before. But I forgot that it basically happens off screen, but then we get Dom Toretto's... Um, I, I wrote a comment. Remember how I said uh, Brian... That's, that's not his name. Who's the protagonist of three? Oh, uh, Sean. Sean. Sean Boswell. Remember how I I had this whole theory about Sean Boswell being sort of like the slow, mentally slow person of the Fast and Fur- Furious universe? Yes. Don Toretto is the Notch- Nostradamus. Yeah. He looks at a road... Oh, he knows exactly what went down. Uh, that is another moment of the movie that I quite liked, is the road forensics. Uh, also, cinematography on that is really cool. Because they show the cars approaching, they phase through him. Through the smoke of the gunshot, he appears. Very artistic, very well done. Very, very cool. well shot, but really... But there was a moment where the silhouette, I was like, that looks like... Why is Dom shooting letty that makes is there an evil dom yeah i uh i also want to make it clear that uh apparently what dom's job is is to run away to different countries and then slide out from under a car holding something looking perturbed well yeah he, he, he's done that twice now he's done that twice now that's kind that of was, amazing it was basically the exact same shot from los bandoleros uh, but yeah, Letty's killed off screen, and when I saw that, like, Brian was there at the funeral, and everyone was there, I was like, oh, this is a honey trap, she's not actually dead, they're just using it to catch Dom. No! For the- she's dead! Her I, I, character's just dead! When- when I saw Brian at the funeral, I was like, okay, that makes sense, because he knows them, and he wants to be tight with the crew, so he's trying to show his respects, but then his partner is there. Mm-hmm. I don't know the partner's name, because I don't- Learn, I don't learn jackasses' names. Yeah, he's a great jackass, though. He's a wonderful jackass. Can't, can't can't commend him enough. But when I saw that he was there, I was like, oh, she was working for them. Yeah, that was absolutely my thought. Also, can we back up a little bit and say, uh, so Brian O'Connor remains a sociopath because his co-worker runs up to him after the chase scene and admonishes him and grabs him, and that's not cool. Brian O'Connor grabs him by the nape of the neck and slams his face repeatedly into the wall. What I love about... Trying to kill him. What I love about that scene is their boss shows up and he's like, All right, Brian, walk it off. (laughs) He's like, stop the horseplay. (laughs) And the guy's like, I'm bleeding from my broken nose. And the guy's like, go see med. He's, He's bleeding from like three places on his face from being fucking murdered. Oh. So I, uh, I, I wanna be totally clear. I'm so disappointed with the Letty thing. It's such a, the, it's mm. such a Letty down. God damn it. These movies, I are, had a lot of puns about this. I realized two things about this movie. I too was upset that Letty was deady. Hey, Letty it go. <laughs> Alright, there are two things. Sorry. There's, there's two things I realized about these movies because when I said it's like, uh, evolutionary and structurally important. 
I feel like the previous two movies, the previous three movies rather, they just kind of had a franchise and didn't really know what to do with it. In this movie, they realized why this series is important, and it is the characters. Exactly. The characters make the movie important. And in the first moments when you see Michelle Rodriguez, you see uh, Vin Diesel, you see... Uh, Brian O'Connor later, you like, you see all these characters coming together, like, this is what it is. It's a character movie. And then they all go different directions. Two of them are never seen again. Such a letdown. It's like, this movie would be a great movie as the fourth, the fourth iteration of, of a franchise where we had seen these characters every movie. Yeah. This is like, we talk about it being a soft reboot, but it isn't and isn't because the first 12 minutes, totally soft reboot. Mm-hmm. The rest of the movie is like, well, what if we pretend the franchise has been going on for the decade that it technically has? Yes. The the world has been working behind the scenes. And uh, we just missed so much great time, so many great character dynamics. And then, of course, in, in a cockamamie twist, uh, I believe, God, is it is it Brian who discovers it? So David Park is who they're going after. Yeah. And in whatever, like, cockamamie way that they go after him, they find out that there's a race. And... A race for an audition a race to be for... one of Braga's running crew. So just the plot of Too Fast, Too Furious. I gotcha. A little bit different. Yes, it is. It is different. It is a racing audition. Like, like... And, and it, it gives you another chance to have your street racing scene. Yes. Although this street racing scene is apparently not just illegal because it's street racing, but also illegal because they know they're drug runners. Yes. And they know they're auditioning for a drug run, which I have to ask, then who are all the people around? Like, the fans, the groupies, they all know... That it's a, like, how do you bury that secret? They're just drug groupies. You think they're all strung out? You think that that's, Drug fans. I, I mean, they could be, they could be cl- customers, to be honest. They very well could be. You could tie the drug scene to the racing car scene. You know what's a thought that I had, uh, when Brog, not, I'm sorry, when Brog? Campos. Oh, Campos. Campos, the, the sidekick of Braga was first introduced. I was like, Oh, this Braga guy seems pretty cool. I'm like, no, 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 he's a sidekick. I'm like, oh, this seems really weird that they wouldn't just go to the main guy. This seems unnecessary. And then I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. I really like the intrigue. Yes. Because the first, I mean, we know who the villains are straight up. And like two and three. Mm -hmm. And one, everyone's the villain. But in this one, they're like, oh, we don't have his photo on file. We don't know who Braga is. And that leads to a little bit... Yeah, it's a little misleading yeah. by the writer and the cinematographer's part. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it kind of keeps you going, although the movie telegraphs it way too hard. Yeah, I got that so so long before it actually was revealed that Campos was just Braga. I wanted it to be... Uh, here's how you do that better. You keep everything the same except for the the reveal scene. Mm-hmm. And then you reveal that Braga is Gal Gadot. Or, sorry, Gal Gadot. Yes, uh, also, uh, we're gonna not agree on how to... It's, I, no, it's, it's Gadot. I thought it was Gal Gadot. Gadot. There we go. Uh, Gal yeah. Gadot. I was so pleased to see her in this movie because she's my favorite. Now, that special race GPS... Well, hold on, hold on. I, the note that I wrote, I need you to, to, to look at it. Yes. Could you please, for the record, for the court, describe my note? 
Uh, you put gal, and then you misspelled Godot, and then you put three exclamation points. You don't have to be a douche about it. <laughs> Whoa. I spelled it Godot. Oh, like waiting for Godot. Because that's how I thought it was spelled. Uh, so the, the fucking special race GPS is dumb. We don't need to talk about that. I thought it was genius. I'm sorry. I'm really? going to disagree with you. Really? The special race GPS makes total sense. Because before, like, this is really good. This, this is how you escalate your races, at least. Before everyone knows the course, they know it's a straight line, or they know that it's turns, they, it's outlined. This one's like, the guy's like, who's going to close the streets? Oh. And then they laugh at him. Live traffic. That's a first. And that then, is a first. Stakes raised. And then two, with the, the GPS thing, is like, oh, you have to be able to... Like, it made sense for drug runners, not for racers. Yeah. For this type of race. And then when they won, it was like, you know, wait for instructions under GPS. That's genius. Because it can't be traced unless you have the GPS. Now, I just don't understand why there are, like, race girls. Yeah, no, that, that part is probably just Braga's aesthetic. <laughs> Braga is two things. Uh, he's a weird misogynist and he's a fantastic coder. <laughs> <laughs> Weird misogynist, fantastic coder, and all of his thugs look the same. Also, I want to make it clear that before the race happens, uh, after we establish that Vin Diesel is out for revenge, which I actually loved because his character is just like a big scary meat man. He needed a motivation stronger than La Familia. Yeah. Now it's... Re, you know, revenge for La Familia. And uh, I, I like that that was his motivation. Between that and the race, uh, we see them prepping for the race. And the way they prep for the race is that uh, we get all of our product placement out of the way in one scene. Because Brian O'Connor walks by NOS, yeah. uh, NOS Energy Drink Billboards, to go pour Castrol motor oil with the Castrol symbol very visible into his vehicle. Whereas uh, Dom Toretto fuels his race and body with the only fuel that works, sweet Corona. Corona. That is a lot of Corona a short period of time because he asked for a Corona. Here's what I loved. <laughs> There's a scene where they are meeting their like stand-in employer in a bar. In a bar. A club. In in a club to like show solidarity for what's about to happen. There are poured shots of tequila. Everyone raises a shot of tequila. Dom still just has his Corona and just drinks his Corona. You can have any brew as long as it's Corona. I like to imagine he says you can have any brew you want as long as it's a Corona because he wants other people to live the cursed life he does. <laughs> now, let me ask you, have you ever seen him drink anything? Not just a beer, but have you ever seen him drink anything that isn't a Corona? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> when he was younger... He, he, he shoved a glass of water out of a young girl's hand, and that young girl transformed into the goddess Athena, let's say. Yeah. And Athena cursed him, as long as thou shalt live, because she speaks like the Bible, thou shalt only Corona sh drink. <laughs> thou shalt only Corona drink. I think that's, uh, I think that's absolutely true. If he drinks anything else in the future, we will definitely stay updated on that. Yeah, we will amend that. Also, Dom only loves Letty. Not even Gal Gadot can take him away. Wait, look, I mean, look, 
This is all happening very, very quick. Just a couple days. Like, if if he had fallen for Godot's charm or whatever, I would have been mad. Because, like, Letty has just died. Yeah. She's, she's just been put on the ground. Letty has just died. Now, I want to be... Uh, there's a there's a very specific, really terrible scene where he's hitting on not hitting on Gal Gadot, where he's describing Letty to Gal Gadot, but it's it's a misdirect because it's supposed to look like they're flirting. And he says, "I like a girl who's twenty percent angel, eighty percent devil, etc." I uh, until you said that at the beginning of the podcast, I was a hundred percent convinced the line was i want a girl who's 20 percent asian 80 percent devil <laughs> no i thought that was like oh letty is asian i don't think letty is asian <laughs> yeah that, that that was a very fun scene because she says that doesn't sound anything like me and it's like yeah have a little self-awareness honey <laughs> yeah gal gadot gets a bet they didn't let her do enough in this film. Uh, Gal Gadot is great. Uh, I think her character's name is Giselle or Gazelle. I think it's either Jarga. You're right. Jarga. Jal Jadot. Jal Jadot. And, uh... She needs to do more. Yeah. She needs to come back and do more. I hope she comes back. I, I really hope she comes back. She didn't do a lot. Now, of course, the, the cool thing uh, that is great about this movie. So, Brian drinks Nost. Dom drinks Corona. We know that. Uh, the race that actually happens, it has... This is the point, I believe, where the movie becomes significantly worse. Well, yeah, you're falling into the trappings of the previous movies with a race. Yes, you fall into the... And, and that's... You're, I think the race is fine. It's filmed pretty okay for the most part. You're raising the stakes of the live traffic, but then at the end of the day, it's... I think we're heading toward the same thing where it's, it's Brian versus... Yeah. Uh, Dom and the final stretch. Now, for the second race, the one that takes place on the Mexican border. Oh, my bad. That's the one I'm talking about. I thought we were talking about the street race where Dom did the pit maneuver. Yeah, And it was like, Brian, you're a cop. Yeah. (laughs) Why? How could you not expect the pit maneuver? Exactly. It's the one thing you know how to do. Uh, So, So the second race at the Mexico border, I'm sorry. The drug race. The drug race. The drug race where... This was fun. The drug race where Dom tries to get Phoenix, which we discover is the one who killed Letty because he drives a green Gran Torino that burns nitromethane. Yes, Uh, nitrometh. Nitromethane. Which I thought was a drug for a second. But uh, that race I hated. Why? Because it it does something that I thought uh, was very shitty when the movie started, which is this is the first fast movie, the first movie in the fuck you, I'm sorry, that uh, makes extensive use of CG cars. Yeah. Now, it took those CG cars and it put them in what I would like to call uh, a befuddling tunnel. <laughs> It funnels them into a tunnel where the cinematography is so, uh, cut, like, cut together and frenetic. It's impossible to tell what's going on, and it goes on forever. One thing that I'm very confused about, it looked like Dom was in his dad's car. Yeah, but that's the second tunnel part. Are we talking... There's two tunnel parts. You weren't talking about the second tunnel part. You're no, talking no, no. about the, the first drug run. The first drug run that ends with the, like, NOS explosion with the cars, and then the... <laughs> We're just not on the same page. And then the shootout. I'm going through the movie, and just stay with me. 
All right, first so the, tunnel the first part. tunnel part. I Garbage. I, I hated it. I didn't. I think I was trying to read my notes and see if I had stuff for the. I didn't really pay attention to the first one because it was so like our border is not that fucking sophisticated that yeah. we have heat signatures and, and helicopters. Like command centers. Yeah, a twenty four twenty four seven staffed command center that can send a helicopter. That if the helicopter doesn't find anything, uh. Yeah, they send a ground patrol. Here's what would have happened. Oh, we have a heat sig- signature. Send out the helicopter. Helicopter says, oh, I don't see anything. It's like, oh, must have been an animal. Yeah, that's pretty much that's it. That's it. Uh, they don't say the, the line, they're gone. Who is the they? <laughs> who who could it be? Who is gone? Because you got a heat signature. That doesn't mean shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. The, uh, f- fuck the tunnel part. Uh, I like the shootout with the Phoenix people. I like the I like the shootout, the double cross, the NOS explosion. I like that Brian grabs a machine gun and is like, I, I don't care about my cover. Um, Dom's killing people. <laughs> yeah, I don't care who I hit. It, it immediately goes from zero to a hundred. Yeah, and we learn uh, we learn two things. This movie is not afraid to have an infinitely higher body count than the other movies. Oh man! And also, Dom Toretto is immune to being shot. Yes, he is shot in the back and goes ooh. And, and like they even make a point of it later. Like he's dripping blood, and Brian O'Connor like notices like the blood leading to Dom. And nothing comes of it. Yeah. It's, it's, he's just shot. He's like, oh, something bit me. <laughs> and, and then he just, uh, he, he beats that guy up. Uh, but then I get kind of fuzzy on the movie because at this point, uh, something has started to settle within me. And that's that I don't like this movie very much. You don't. Uh, the first 12 minutes are oh, really great. I think, I think that there are some moments in this movie that are much stronger than moments in any of the other movies. Uh, but they, they ruin the character dynamics. A lot of it is plotting, laborious. The plot's just not interesting. And then, like, the tunnel stuff happens, CG cars stuff happens. Campos and Braga, they, they're a fun villain, but they're not a very good compelling villain. No, they're not, they're not compelling at all. They're no Johnny Tran, that's for sure. And you would think that old man who's pretending to be Braga would have his shit together long enough to, like, withstand two questions from Brian. Yeah, you'd think they would have trained him a little bit better. Like, he, because they're like, what's your name? And he's like, Antonio. It's like, no, shit, fuck. Yeah, it's like, oh, it must have been hard for you to grow up in the barrio. And he was like, I grew up in Queens. Yeah, he's like, what, what barrio? <laughs> yeah, what's what, a barrio? What's a, what the f- Do are you, you guys sp- speak Spanish? <laughs> are you fucking speaking Spanish to me? Uh, yeah. It's I'm almost, from Queens, bro. It's almost like they just kidnapped an old man and dressed him in a suit. And if, like, he was gonna, like, unless Campos slash Braga's master plan was to reveal to the FBI that that was not him, mm-hmm. it makes no sense. Yeah, uh... I want to make a point that yes. I tried to bring... I, I mistakenly brought up earlier. For the second drug run, or the second tunnel run... Yes. It looks like... Oh, absolutely. It looked like Dom was in his father's car. It looks like Dom was in his father's car and then wrecked it. At and one, died. At, yeah, at one point, he jumps from car to car and his father's car explodes. Yes. At the end of the movie... Brian is driving his Dom's father's car. Yep. 
How? Uh, there's also another moment earlier in the scene where a car that looks identical to Dom's car also crashes for no reason. Those tunnel scenes are awful. Yeah. You know what they reminded me of? The Kessel Run. They reminded me of watching Riddick. Wait, that was the second one. Yes, Riddick was the second Pitch Black movie. The second one where uh, he goes against, like, the Necronomicon guy. Yeah, the Necromorphs or whatever. And he can punch the dude because he can see in the dark. Yes. I like that movie, but it's not good. It's not good, but it has a really bad habit, uh, that Riddick movie, which is bad, of filming fight scenes in the dark and having a thousand camera cuts. It's impossible to follow. These tunnel scenes were impossible to follow. They went on for way too long. They were not interesting at all. And they really aren't... They weren't indicative of the high-octane action... Well, it's hard to say. (laughs) The high-octane action that we've come to expect from these movies. We want the first 12 minutes of Fast... The first one and the fourth one. Yes. Like, keep that shit up. The practical effects, which... Maybe they're not practical, but they look a lot, lot of them better. Are. A lot of them are for sure. We want that more so than a stupid tunnel scene where you blow up Dom's dad's car twice. Yeah, only to see it again and and the end of the movie. I uh, I added a note to my phone that just says "Not the tunnel again." Oh my god! Uh, and then after that second tunnel scene, I think this is the first instance of something that we've seen in the Fast and Furious movies once again raising the stakes. Because you have to raise them exponentially for every movie. Dom killing someone with a car? Yeah, I might be totally wrong. I think that is the first time where someone is intentionally murdered, not incidentally murdered, with a car. You might be right. Because it's... Oh, dude. For all this movie's ills, there are some things that I really like. The fact that you have Dom Toretto and Brian Connor, two people on opposite sides of the law. Of course, they're they're bonded by the fact that one can be working on a car and he's just cool with letting the other one go in his house and fuck his sister. And then just thinking about it stoically. Uh, Brian's been gone for a while. And I he followed seen... my sister into the house. I know they've had a romantic... Mm. She had groceries out. I hope dinner is going to be ready. I wonder if she got more Corona. Uh, <laughs> she knows that's the only thing you can drink thanks to this ancient Athenian curse. Uh, but no, that's that's their bond. But I I love that. I feel like the greatest friendship, the, the greatest moment of friendship in the whole movie is Brian is on the ground. He knows he's about to die. He sees... Dom in that car approaching, going to hit that guy. He grabs his leg so that Dom can kill him with a car. It's such an incidental, vicious thing, but it's so cool. It's because it's, it's not glamorous. It's like, oh, I want to let this guy get killed by a car. Sorry. It's real good. Like, if he was a better paladin slash FBI agent, if he was lawful good, yes, as the movie kind of suggests he wants to be, he would stand in front of Phoenix and say, like, no, we got to take him in. Yeah. But because he's been sliding more chaotic neutral, he, he grabs his leg and gets out of the way. Now, I do have a problem with that scene. Oh, what? It, it's Dom hits him. Great mm-hmm. moment. Yes. But then he says, he says, pussy. Yeah. And I just have to say... 
if anyone gets hit by a car, (laughs) they're probably going to die or get hurt. I don't know if anyone that you could hit with a car, like, that's not the right insult. You know what's really funny? (laughs) I bet if you turn that around in this fiction and Dom was the one who was hit by a car, he'd be like slumped over the hood. They just look up at the person driving the car and be like, pussy, and just like stand up. Um, yeah, yeah, but, no. But no, I feel like don't mock someone for dying by being hit by a three-ton <laughs> chunk of American muscle. I pick a different a car. Pick a different insult. Yeah, uh, the muscle was in the car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the three tons of American muscle was in the car. Hachi machi, wah wah wee wah. Um, yeah, I I like that car murder because that was the first time. <laughs> <laughs> they did really, I like that car. They didn't really shy away from like, oh, this person got just fucked up by a car. I do think that we saw, as much as it's a tired trope in D&D campaigns, and of course the fuck you is a giant D&D campaign. It is. As much as the fallen paladin has been done to death, it's not fun to do. We saw the official end of Brian's cop career. Did we not? I would really like to play a paladin that is inspired by Brian O'Connor and Dee Listen, not because I want to play out the fallen paladin, but because I want to play the just bad warrior who pretends to be a paladin intermittently. Because I want to remind you, <laughs> Brian O'Connor is a relatively straight-laced cop in the first movie. Right? Right. He lets Dom go. That is the most honorable Brian O'Connor is. In the second movie, he is an opportunistic street racing psychopath who steals millions of dollars, does things for no reason, <laughs> and is forced to behave lawfully. And, and and does partner up with Roman, who is a criminal, who is insane, not vetted at all, but, yes. the, but still is like, hey, FBI... This is the man. And in the third in the third appearance of Brian O'Connor, Fast Furious, he's just an animal in a suit. <laughs> because sure, he's a cop. He's never acting lawfully. He's vicious. He tries to murder his partner. He's not a good guy. I guess he put a few points in the bluff to get back on the force. And like, nah, man. I, I think I, I worship the good. <laughs> I think I know what happened to Brian O'Connor. What? After the events of Too Fast, Too Furious, he ran out of money because they spent it on food because of Roman's damned high metabolism. <laughs> and he was sitting there and he had two job applications in front of him. And uh, one is like the racer's edge and the other one is being a cop. And he looked at the pay, and he decided to go with being a cop. He was like, you know that pension in a couple of years? Yeah, he's just going back to, like, vest his pension. What? There's a really good Brian moment. He's with Mia in the diner after getting her out of the FBI. And he's talking about, you know, leaving was the hardest thing I ever had to do. And I just want to, I said, hold up. I saw the turbocharged pre-sequel. He fucking left with a goddamn smile yeah, on his face. He was happy. He was fucking happy as he frolicked all the way to Miami. He's like, finally, <laughs> I can be a criminal. I can be the criminal I've always wanted to be. <laughs> I call bullshit on you, Brian O'Connor. You were happy to fucking leave Mia. Yeah, he he was he was ecstatic. Now I I think that I think that. Uh, 
I think Brian's journey is maybe not of the fallen paladin, but would make a really good D&D character. The warrior who thinks he's a fallen paladin? That would be really good. Now, <laughs> something that I want to bring up, because, I mean, we've... This episode's been kind of weird. It's kind of almost been a callback to the first one because it's almost been a recap of the plot, but a little looser. We're not going point by point. We're focusing on moments we want to talk about, and it just so happens there's a lot of talk about in this film. The the corona's getting to my head. Yes. There's a lot to talk about in this film because there's a lot of bold choices, I'll say. Yeah, I mean, as far as Fast and the Furious movies, this one is almost the most experimental. Tokyo Drift is absolutely the most experimental. (laughs) I was going to say, this is the most ambitious with what will become the core. Yeah, and like Because it's it's trying to establish a core, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, we're losing people left and right. Yeah, there were were definitely things in Fast and Furious where I would watch it, and I would say, that is better than anything I've seen in these movies. The second thing, and this is kind of all one larger point... The movie ends as an inversion of the Fast and the Furious, the ending, which is Dom is allowed to get away. This time, he allows himself to be caught. Yeah, he says he's not going to run anymore, and you would hope that since he's turning him, he's not running or whatever, and he helped. Yeah. That he would... There was a good moment with the court case scene where he's, he's like, sorry. Yeah, it's like you did one good thing, but you've been a horrible criminal for years. Yeah. But... Uh, then they do something where they flip it, they turn it around, and then the movie does one of my favorite things movies can do, which is a really cheap tactic, which is end on the same shot as you began. Which is, first it was a tanker truck being chased by three cars with characters we know and love on a mission we understand, and it ends with a prison bus being chased by three cars by characters on a mission we know and understand. But this time, it's fucking breaking Dom out. I just... I like that it's Brian. The two Dominican Republic guys, those guys are cool. They can come back. Mia behind the wheel. Yeah. I don't know. We don't We've know never about, seen her. We don't know about Mia's driving abilities. I don't we don't know anything about it. And the fact that Brian would allow Mia to break the law shows like, does he really care about her? Does he really have any code of ethics? Now, to be honest with you, I get very excited by the ending because uh, the fact that me is behind the wheel, Brian's behind the wheel, it gave me the impression, and I might be wrong going into Fast Five, it gave me the impression that this is the point where the dynamic of lawfulness is gone. Well, I, I, I know for a fact, because I've seen some of the later movies, I can't place them exactly, but another source of lawfulness will be introduced into the series. Yes. And that can really only happen if Brian has fallen forever. Yes. Into the the weird pretending to be a paladin warrior thing. Yeah. Because D&D is the only metaphor I can draw. What about Cecil the Dark Knight? Oh, I love... Final Fantasy IV. Yeah, no. But he, he redeems himself. Opposite. Yeah, he starts out at Dark Knight and becomes a paladin once you go up that mountain and Use a phoenix down to defeat the zombie boss, which is the only way to win that fight. I don't care who you are. Man, can we take a quick aside in this supplemental reading of Fast and, the, of Fast and Furious and say, my favorite thing in any fantasy RPG... Don't say suplex the train. No, is using healing items to hurt zombies. It's my favorite. Cool. And anyway, Fast and the Furious... <laughs> 
Uh, I, I really like the idea that we are now giving away the vestiges of, lo- of lawfulness, and we can now understand these characters all love and support each other, and are going to be monstrous criminals together. It's the only way to live. I do like that. I like if we threw off the shells, or the the cuffs of justice for Brian, because I thought we already had. Oh, Too Fast, Too Furious, he's just like a criminal monster. And for some reason they backtrack, they cut his hair, they let him keep his natural hair color. He looks like, you know, Chris Evans ten years before Chris Evans became Chris Evans. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, this backtracking I feel like was a regression for Brian. I, uh... It's like they ignored Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah, Too Fast, Too Furious is really the, the least canonically important in terms of character relationships, so it, it makes sense that it's kind of the least important at this point in the timeline. Or, or that they completely ignored it while they were writing Brian's character, because I don't... Maybe the guy who's handling the screenplay uh, just decided to ignore it. Maybe. I mean, I... That kind of plays into what Too Fast, not Too Fast, what Fast and Furious is, which is, I feel like it's a coming to center. I feel like it's a centering of all of the elements that we've seen so far, which is like, we know that these things are cool. These are the stakes we've set up. We're not going to ignore those, but we need to bring it all into center so that we can expand from there. Let's Because ex- it's too yeah. disparate now. Let's establish a ground zero from which we can build the Freedom Tower. Whoa. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> you, you made oh. me drink 30 oh. ounces of Corona. Yes. And so my metaphors <laughs> have transitioned from D&D to United States terrorism. <laughs> that's, uh, I think that's fair. Now, uh, that's the only logical progression. Now, the, the thing that I think is, is maybe most important about Fast and Furious, a movie that I did not enjoy that much, is that... How did you not Oh. We're going to talk about our rankings. It may be the Corona speaking. We're going to talk about our rankings. We but, absolutely are. Yeah, we've got a few things to wrap up with. But you were saying... Oh, so I was just saying that I think that the, the most important thing about Fast and Furious is that they realized that they didn't know what they were doing. Evidenced by the fact that the third movie... Uh, took place in goddamn Tokyo. Took place in goddamn the future. Well, that too. So it took place in the far future... And the the crazy thing to me about Tokyo Drift's existence is all they needed... Here's why Tokyo Drift takes place in the future. Because they killed Han. One line. Not Han's death. The line, he knew Han. Yeah. The fact that they decide to throw in he knew Han, I don't believe that they knew what was coming. I don't believe they knew that they had to fit the following four movies before Tokyo Drift to make that make sense. It, it feels like a reshoot line, you know? Like, they got a call from Universal Studios, and they got the green light for a fourth movie, and so they were like, we need to bait the hook. Uh, let's get back uh, Lucas Black, let's get back Bow Wow, and let's shoot one more scene. It's kind of like a post credit scene, but it's happening before the credits. And it's not, like, fantastically written. They're just like, let's just do a thing that increases intrigue and makes it make sense. Uh, but, of course, they wanted Han to come back. Now, in knowing Han, this is a theory I have, maybe a conspiracy. In knowing Han, that precipitated the creation of Los Bandoleros. Los so it- Bandoleros came out in 2009. 
Okay. So right before, right before Fast, Fast and, and Furious. Furious. So what they needed to do was they needed something to show this is how they knew each other. This is in the past. Also, this is why Fast and Furious opens with these characters. It, it feels like they were scrambling to bring everything back to center. You know, when you're tutoring uh, a freshman and they're writing a paper and you're like, you need to sharpen up your transition from this point to this point. So they throw in like two sentences. Yeah. That's what Los Bandoleros is. It's the two sentences between Tokyo Drift and Fast and Furious that says Han knew Vin Diesel and also they had a crew and Michelle Rodriguez was there for a second. What I like to think is that it's got a... There's no doubt in my mind that the Vin Diesel part at the end of Tokyo Drift was added after the movie was shot. Yeah. They knew that Han was the strongest personality they had. They lucked out like crazy getting Soon Kong. Like, he was... So good. Best part of that movie, hands down. They killed him because it was written into the script. They had no idea that the person who would ultimately play him would be so good. So they needed... Were they banking on on Lucas Black? Probably. Because he's a piece of wood. Yeah. they, they Worse than... Paul Walker's as a human being is fine. Yeah. But him as Brian O'Connor in the first two movies was wood. Yeah. It's they 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 took Lucas Black and they made a big bet. Then they're like, "Oh shit, no! Han is the one we wanted. Bring back Bow Wow. Bring back Bow Wow. B B B W. I'm getting a little belligerent. Uh, but no, bring back Bow Wow. Uh, don't bring back little Bow Wow. This is a lot of Corona. It's a lot of Corona. Uh, but anyway, I feel like bringing it into center, they had to arrange things in such a way that now fucking a movie takes place in the future. But I feel like, and I want to be totally clear, I haven't seen any of these movies past this point. I have. I've seen, I saw Tokyo Drift, I remember seeing The Fast and Furious. Okay. The Fast and the Furious, that's all I'd seen. The first one. Yes. Now, past this point, I know for a fact that everyone I talk to who has seen these movies says that the the fourth movie, the halfway point, is where things start to get real. This is the turning point. The next movie, I I think it's the next one, shit goes down. From what I understand, people say that certain ones of the upcoming movies are some of the best movie-going experiences they've ever had. Once they introduce... Like, so at... The the one what is the one thing missing from the fuck you? Are we talking thematically? The, well, kind of like thematically. What is the one thing you've got good characters, you've got mm. good action. What is the one thing missing? Uh, that's all you need. Good writing, I guess. Well, no, like we've complained so far about a lot of the opposition, right? Yes. They like like the early MCU. Mhm. There's, oh yeah, there has every movie we've complained about the villain. They have not had a good opposing force yet. Yes. And I think it's the next movie, don't quote me on that, but they get a good they get some good opposition. So the thing that I was thinking about, and I know what we're talking about. Well yeah, we've been summoning him with our music. Yes. For the past three <laughs> plus four episodes. For the past four episodes, we have summoned him with the theme song, and hopefully one day we'll come to fruition. I feel like I believe the next movie, if I recall correctly, because I was alive nine years ago. I believe it is when that happens. I think so. I think Fast Five is what the official name of the movie. 
I think that's when he's introduced. So the thing that I genuinely believe that the Fast and Furious movies are missing is they do have great characters, but they're great characters that exist in a world that doesn't oppose them. And I, I genuinely believe that the only thing that they could introduce to these movies to make them better and perfect the dynamic now that with this movie we've realized that characters are the heart and soul of everything and all of them live now in opposition to the law, you need to create a character that is unwavering, Javert-like, powerful. In short, a paladin. Yeah, they need a paladin. They need a lawful good paladin. Look, you have your... Old D&D style. Yeah, they they need a paladin. A paladin with a machine gun. Well, with his muscles, <laughs> yes, he might not need it. Now, I think we should get to the point. We we did this early on with a couple of uh, a couple of things, a couple of movies that we we covered. Who do you want to come back? Oh yeah, here's because we're at the point where people can now come back. Yes, who now, do you want to come back? Who do I want to come back? Uh, my list now significantly longer. <laughs> Really? Yes, because we did this for too fast. We did this for too fast. We included uh, Ava, Ava, Eva, Eva, Eva Mendez. Yes, Eva Mendez, and I'm, she has not come back yet. I'm gonna tell you, I doubt she comes back. I don't think she comes I, back. At this point, I'm gonna take her off my list. I don't think she comes back. Uh, I'm gonna take her off my list. Time and distance have uh, made us grow cold to each other, but the <laughs> characters that I wish will come back: Roman Pierce. Yes. I agree. Uh, without a doubt, Roman Pierce is a fantastic wild card addition. And I want to see him and Dom interact. Yeah, it would it would round out the cast fantastically. Still want to see Ludacris come back. Tedge. Tedge would be great. Still want to see Tedge come back. Now, I've got some additions from Fast and Furious that I want to see come back. I want Gal Gadot to come back. Me too. Like, number one with a bullet... She needs to do something. Yeah, I want I want Gal Gadot you, to come back. You can't waste her talent. Yeah, you can't, I'm just looking pretty. You, come on, you, you can't t- you can't waste such a such a fantastic talent. And number such four, such a wonderful yes woman, such a twenty percent Asian, eighty percent devil that's not afraid to get a little olive oil under her fingers. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I think it was motor oil. Oh shit! I forgot <laughs> the line. Uh, I just thought he liked food. Who else? Han. Now I know Han's got to come back because Han's they, dead. They bent over backwards. Han is dead. Now, at this point in the movie... Han's he, dead. He did go to Tokyo. And died. You... Oh, fuck. <laughs> he, he marched off to his death. I'm gonna... I'm still gonna say Han. Okay. I'm... I'm still gonna say Han's coming back. Not... You, in I a million years. Back. In a million years. Would you want Lucas Black to... Not, that's not his name. Do you want Sean Boswell to come back? No. You don't? Not at all. Ooh. Yeah, I don't want him to come back at all. Ooh. I will hate it if he comes back. Uh, but he was also the protagonist of a Fast and Furious movie, so he's almost definitely coming back. And he met Dom. Shit! <laughs> he's definitely coming back. Uh, yeah, that's a bummer. Uh, and also, yeah, that's who I want to come back. How about you? You know what made me sad? You're gonna put... Wait, hold on. I have number five. Who? Michelle Rodriguez. Oh my god! I want her to come back. They can't waste just like Gal Letty? Gad- just like Gal Gadot. They can't waste Letty that talent. Is Deddy? I'm a hundred percent serious, Henry. Letty, I it have, go. I have no idea what's happening in these movies from Letty this point on. It they they go. can't. 
They can't just kill this Michelle This isn't Rodriguez. fucking Justice League. They can't. They can't find a goddamn Kryptonian <laughs> ship. I'm bringing so much nerdiness into our Fast they and the Furious thing. They just can't. She's coming back. She's going to come back and she's going to be on like a papoose on Roman Pierce. And he's going to be riding pa- like a front carrier for a baby. She's going to come back as a child? Yes. Jesus. The Avatar cycle. I can't handle this. I feel like we're getting to the point where we need to reveal our tier lists of the current standings, our current standings of the tier list for the fuck you. Yes, but <laughs> before that, we do need to talk about one more quick metric. Oh, uh, the Corona meter. Yes, the Corona meter, about five. Now, of course, we need to talk about another quick metric. Well, hold on. Yes. Calm down. Slow your roll. There were about five Corona in this movie. Yes. What does that bring our total to? About so there's about 12, 13 in the first one. So 17, None 18. in the second one. None, None in, in the, the third. third one. Yeah, about 17. 17, 18 to- <coughs> total Corona. And I think if we keep up with our drinking, we will have drunk as much as we have seen by the end of the series. Here's the tough thing. <laughs> what if... I'm going to make a real dumb promise. I'm going to make a super dumb promise. By the eighth movie, we will match it? By the eighth movie, we will drink as many Coronas as have been seen on on screen. Okay, so so far we've had 12, two six-packs. Two six-packs, plus these, which is basically a six-pack. So we've had 18. 18. So we're about on track. We're about on track. Now, of course, what if movie five, there's 500 Coronas? (laughs) That would be insane. If there's a ridiculous thing like that, the bet's off. So right now we're on track, which is eerie. Yes. But, all right, yeah, we will match the fuck you Corona for Corona. Unless something ridiculous happens. Exactly. Because I'm not going to kill myself. didn't want to say the sixth movie, the entire, entire movie, takes place in a Corona plant. God damn it. Okay. I will reject. Okay, we will match Corona for Corona. However, if a crazy event happens where there is a ludicrous amount of Corona, for whatever scene, we will drink a Corona Familiar. And that is a promise. This sucks. Uh, second metric. Second metric. Treatment of women. Oh. This one's okay. It's okay. not the worst one. Did you see there's a shot, a single shot, that it, and it's a split second. It's ha- it happens when they illegally go to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Hands Gal Gadot. Over- <laughs> Gal Gadot hands over a piece of paper to Dom. Mm-hmm. It's a close-up shot. Yeah. You focused on the paper, didn't you? I did. And the background. Just nipples. One really stiff. Oh, boy. Nipple. Now, uh, you know, there are... So, there's that. You know, they they forced Gal Gadot to not wear a bra. Low on the list. Also, if you look at the credits, seriously, every non-named woman, I'm serious, is listed in a subsection of like seven or eight women that just says, hot girls. Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. It's in the credits. Is, that's awful. Yeah. They kill Letty. They ki- you know what? Gal this Gadot movie is doesn't on the do fucking any- bottom. Like, no, seriously, this is the worst treatment of women yeah. so far in the fuck you. Fast and Furious, worst treatment of women. Best treatment Gal- of women, Los Bandoleros. Oh, okay. Because, <laughs> like, she kisses him while she kisses they can't him. fucking they're, see while they're, they're driving. They're friends. They're <laughs> friends. What the... F- what are you saying? <laughs> what? Okay. Okay. What? Uh... 
Let's just say this one's at the bottom. This, as far as treatment of women go. Yeah. I mean, Eva, Ava Mendez. What's her name? Ava Mendez. You nailed it. Ava Mendez had a better role, and she spent half of her movie getting ridiculed for things she wasn't doing. Yeah. So, uh, so far, these movies aren't great as far as treatment of women goes. I feel like they know their demographic. I feel like this one and maybe Tokyo Drift are on the same level. As far as treatment of women. You know what? Tokyo Drift's a little bit higher. Because Nyla... Nyla's at least a little bit... She's a person. Yeah, she's a person. She has problems. She has concerns. Yeah. She's a character. She's just not a vector for male affection. Gal Gadot doesn't really have a character, which is why I hope she comes back. Yes. Because so they need to develop her more. Now, uh, we get into the most important metric... The tier list. The tier list. The Fast and Furious canonical tier list. Who goes first this week? Uh, I'll go first. You always go first. Oh, you can go first. No, go first. Uh, I would like to go first because the thing is, (laughs) things are coming into perspective now. You go first. I would like to go (laughs) first because I'm John. I mean, I'll go first. (laughs) No, I I want you to go first so I can make fun of your choices. If you turn someone down after they insist you're the asshole. Now. Hey, asshole. Go uh, first. (laughs) Uh, so... I didn't mean that, listeners. We're still friends. This movie, actually, has put things into perspective for me. Alright. Because now you know how good the first one was. Uh, you're not... Listen. I need to stop interrupting you. I'm sorry it's it's the corona. It's... It's put it into a lot of perspective. Because now I see where the movies are headed. And now I see what was actually important. Now, number one... On my list, and like I said, I did a lot of thinking, and it, it's pretty, it's pretty significant the amount of changes that have happened on my tier list. All right, number one, Too Fast, Too Furious. I fucking knew it. I fucking knew it. Okay, <laughs> now okay. Too Fast, Too Furious, uh, perennial classic. Perennial. So it it blooms once a year. Uh, annual classic. What evergreen. Yeah, Too oh, Fast, Too that's Furious. that's probably what perennial means. I'm sorry, science friends. Too Fast, Too Furious is evergreen. Uh, has not been topped yet. Best treatment of women, best Tyrese. Now, <laughs> He's we, the only Tyrese. Ejecto Cito, cuz. Oh my god. Okay, Ask, keep, keep going. Bray. We not hungry no more, Bray? Pockets uh, ain't empty, cuz. Second? Yeah. I put a lot of thought into this one. Alright. The second one is The Fast and the Furious. The first movie. The first this movie... Is, it gets confusing. The first movie is the second on the list. All right. Because I realize now how important that movie was to what I am now enjoying. Here you go. Number three. After the Fast and the Furious, Los Bandoleros. All right. Uh, I really like Los Bandoleros. It's, it's, got, mo- a, it's got a student <laughs> film vibe. It's the most artistic of the bunch. Let's- yeah. It's it's a really weird short film yeah. that kind of comes out of nowhere, but I really respect it for being as restrained as it is. Uh, and also, it's extremely important for setting up a Michelle Rodriguez, uh, Vin Diesel dynamic that is absent from the fourth movie because she's fucking dead. Yeah, that happens. Uh, yeah, I I really liked the the peak, the slice of life peak. Into the life of Dom Toretto and Letty Ortiz. I'm a hundred percent. Ortiz or Ortega? Letitia or no? I think her it's last Ortiz. Name. I think it's Ortiz. But I'm a hundred percent certain that that short film only exists to justify the gas sabotage or theft. Yes. And also 
to cement the seed of Letty and Vin Diesel. Because the seed was sort of hinted at Mm -hmm. in The Fast and The Furious. But it is so much a driving factor in Fast and the Furious that it's like, I think Vin Diesel realized the script as written does not feature this relationship enough and we're going to kill her off. Yeah. We need to establish that, like, we need the, the audience to say we want them to be together so they'll, they'll be sad when Letty is gone. Also, they uh, they allowed Vin Diesel to write and direct it. In a, and I I just really liked it. Like, <laughs> looking I, back on it, I'm a big fan of Los Bandoleros. Vin Diesel's one of my favorite people in Hollywood. He's great. He loves D&D. He loves D&D. He, 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 he wanted to do more Riddick. I'm not saying the Riddick was bad or good. I'm not saying that. But, like, I don't know. He, like, he seems like a guy who's like, I have to do these triple X movies... So I can make the movies I want to do. And yeah. then, and then like, he begs to voice Groot. Yes. Like, I don't know. He's one of the greatest people in Hollywood. He's great, he's genuine, and he is the star of one of the best video games ever made. Uh, the Butcher's Bay? Mm-hmm. All right. I genuinely... It's great. Now, anyway... I interrupted your list. We should, uh, we should play that. On stream. Or just play it. I don't know. We don't have to make a big no. fucking deal out of it. It's not a big fucking deal. So you just stream it. So it's Too Fast, Too Furious. The Fast and the Furious. Okay. Los Bandoleros. Los Bandoleros. Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift. Uh, because there's a lot that I liked about Tokyo Drift. Uh, and we've discussed that. Wabaki. Wa- Wabaki. That will never, Wabaki. That will never be out of my head now. And then we have, of course, Fast and Furious. Okay. And then the turbocharged prelude to Too Fast, Too Furious. All right. I, I talked a lot of stuff that I liked about Fast and Furious. I actually found myself pretty annoyed watching the entirety you, of it. I think you've made it clear throughout this, uh, this episode that it was not one of your favorite movies. I was not a fan. And that's completely fair. And there was some stuff that I saw, and it was better than any of the shit I'd seen in any of these movies. And it's so disappointing. But just because the bowl of M&M's has a few non-poisoned M&M's <laughs> doesn't mean you can accept the whole bowl into yes. your tier list. Absolutely, absolutely agreed. Fuck politics. <laughs> Are you ready, John? Because it is time for for Henry's fast and loose top tier list. Twenty eighteen, Mister Three Hundred Five, Mister Three Hundred Five Edition. All right, and uh, what are we starting off with? What's numero uno? Number one with. Three bullets, count them, is fast. No. And fucking no furious. How? The one we just watched How? because it used to be the Fast and the Furious, and it was only the Fast and the Furious because of what was going to come later. And what was going to come later is Fast and the Furious taking its crown from the Fast and the Furious. Okay. So it could rest on the throne of glory. But is there a real reason? The real reason is because these are the bricks. The the bricks. Okay. Remember my metaphors from earlier. Yeah. The the, the Fast and the Furious was number one because it was the dirt that it the was flower the dirt. grew out of. And then Too Fast and the Furious was the seed of the ac- the action seed mm-hmm. that would make the flower grow. Yes. The Fast and the Furious, those first 12 minutes, is the fucking flower, and everything else are just the petals on top. Okay. 
So this is for you, just to be clear. This is the this is the genesis of everything that's good about Fast and the Furious. Yes, this okay. is the cocoon, Ron Howard's cocoon. Okay. Of the series so far. Okay. We we haven't gotten to the, the Dune yet. When the cocoon becomes the dune, a worm powered by spice. Yes, my metaphors are hard to follow. Number two Mm -hmm. with two bullets is the Fast and the Furious. Okay, hey, we agree. Yeah, number two on the list is the Fast and the Furious because now it's it's just been dethroned, so it's at the steps. There's a lot of metaphors here. Yes, Uh, the worm has been thrown down the steps. Yeah, number three is Tokyo Drift. Uh huh. Because third movie in the series. Third movie in the series. Also, the third best movie we've seen so far. Okay. I don't agree. That's fine. Because uh, you're wrong. All right. Number four is Los Bandoleros. Hey, that's actually pretty close to where I put it. A lot of the same reasons. It's the most artistic. It's the most art house. And it feels like the connective tissue you need to understand the first movie. But it's not as good. It doesn't really stand up on its own. Okay. You need the connective tissue so it's not as strong. Uh, number five? Yes. Is, of course, the turbocharged three sequel to the two How is this still, how is this still the bit? And number six, with a dab. How is this? Is two past two furious. Here's the thing. Because it's John's favorite movie. If if we had, if we had never seen, if we had never seen the turbocharged prelude to Too Fast, Too Furious, there is some amount of believability in putting Too Fast, Too Furious (laughs) as well. Now I know it's just to upset me. If we hadn't seen, if we had not seen the cinematic travesty that was the turbocharged prelude to Too Fast, Too Furious, then maybe I could understand putting it at the bottom. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> this is bullshit. And that is Henry's Fast and Loose Pick'em 2018 Picks of Tears. This is the Golden Age. Mr. 305. Mr. 305 Pitbull and Pharrell. <laughs> I can't breathe. Tearless. <laughs> Uh, Mr. 305 Pitbull Pharrell is my favorite artist. Uh, and now that we're done with the tier list. I gotta catch my breath. I guess. Oh boy. We have to close this, this, this book. We have to close this chapter. Uh huh. You know, it's really sad. Every time we end an episode, we're done with that movie for the rest of our lives. Pretty much. Uh, now, this, let's take a quick aside. It's not worth uh, deliberating too much on. I've really enjoyed doing this because it gives me space to appreciate a movie because I'm forced to in a way that I usually wouldn't give a critical eye to. And I, I really appreciate it because like, even movies that like in the past I'd be like, oh, these are trash. If I'm forced to put a critical eye to it, it, it humanizes them to you. I, like, I've always been interested in these long-standing franchises. Like, I mean, recently, Mission Impossible just had, like, a new movie come out called Fallout, and people have expressed interest in seeing it, and I have to reveal, like, I don't know anything about that franchise, because I honestly haven't really paid attention to it. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like, doing this with the Fast and Furious series is like, hey, why not give attention to these movies that are popular... And, like, they make money. 
And for a while, they were the best franchise in America cinema history. Yeah. Like, on average, outscoring and out-box-officing Star Wars, of all things. Mm -hmm. Until Star Wars, of course, ramped up and did their sequels. But, uh, I don't know, it just gives us the opportunity opportunity to appreciate something that we probably would not have paid attention to. I mean, there's the philosophical idea, not to get this too close to our other podcast, Zero Credits. Uh, <laughs> it's the but, same podcast. But there is this there is this philosophical idea that the belief that to be happy, we have to look farther at different things. We could obtain the same amount of happiness by looking closer at familiar things. Because there's there's an infinite amount of complexity to everything. So if you're forced to look at a Fast and the Furious movie and not disregard it as garbage, and you're forced to look at it as a human experiment, as a piece of art, as pe- as a part of this like general pastiche that people have put together, if you look closely enough at it, it starts to look like something that's pretty good. I am like a car. Is that your point? Yeah. <laughs> Which car would you be? I would probably be an import because I'm not strong. Okay. And I I, <laughs> I am American, but mm. I feel like I'm more sleek, like okay. a dolphin. Yeah, so you're like a Dodge Neon. <laughs> but Dodge is American. Yeah. You said you are American. I said I was an import. Yeah, but you said you're American, but you're sleek. Yeah, but also an import. Okay, you're, so you're like a Volkswagen? Sure. Yeah, I'm boxy like a Beetle. I'm actually, a Nissan probably... Skyline. Uh, actually, no. <laughs> I'm the coolest car from the movie. No, I'm an 89 Honda Prelude with four-wheel steering. Uh, so I think that probably brings us into social media. Yeah. So if you guys want to hit us with your car, Sona... Uh, <laughs> You can send us a tweet because Twitter is the premier message board for people with things ending in sonas. You can send one of those to us at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com, which stands for Henry Zapata. Cool, people, cool. What? Henry James. Henry James, the author of The Turn of the Screw. Is he going to be on the podcast? He's dead. Damn, just like Letty. Anyway, if you want to send us an email with uh, maybe a long-form uh, conspiracy theory about the Fast and the Furious franchise, or if you just want to transcribe all the dialogue from Los Bandoleros and send it to us, or teach us Dominican, you can do so at zero credits as a podcast at gmail.com. Now, we stream video games sometimes on twitch.tv slash... Uh, zero credits. We really don't do that, so don't go there. Now, if you go to Zero Credits Podcast on the Facebook search bar, we do have a Facebook presence somewhat. We're really all about the Twitter. We, we really exclusively tweet. Now, two things. The second most important thing is that we are on iTunes. We're on Apple Podcasts. Go, like, comment, subscribe, and if you want to leave us a rating, please do. Uh, if you just want to leave us a rating and then perhaps leave the synopsis to the Vin Diesel-directed Shortlist Bandoleros, you can absolutely do that. And most importantly, I say this every week, but word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. So if you can, if you might, take your little car 
Take your little green tori- green Grand Torino, Grand Green Torino, burning nitromethane, take it on the highway, find a truck driver feeding an iguana, and scream directly into his ears, listen to Zero Credits Podcast, because iguanas love it. Then at least you will have told two people, and one of them is a lizard. And from every lizard here at the Fuck You Studios... Sponsored by Zero Credits Podcast Studios Apartment. We want to wish you a fast and furious week. Bye. The Corona. The, the vestiges at the bottom of a bottle of Corona taste like bread water. Yeah. It was like drinking a Corona without the release of being done drinking a Corona. <laughs> <laughs>